but I went into deep survival mode into I have all these bills I need to pay. How the hell am I going to pay them? That is Geraldine Ridaura Schumacher on the line. A Latina entrepreneur based in California and a self-proclaimed numbers person. In 2016, she set out to start Holy Matcha, one of the first businesses selling the powdered green tea drinks in San Diego. But by mid-last year, following the start of the pandemic, she had stretched herself much further, all just to help her business stay afloat. I turned myself into Holy Eats. So you put it in order and I will deliver it to you myself. Yes, myself. All these other third parties charge you to sign up or they take 15% of the sales. And mamacita, I can't even afford for you to take a penny out of my sale. I have bills to pay. So I had zero care. I didn't care about anything. I was in survival mode. So the shop sometimes, I remember one day it made $12 in a whole day. $12. I mean, I was sinking. I was negative. I was bleeding at this point. So every single day, Monday through Sunday from 8 a.m. sometimes to like 10 p.m., you want a drink, you want food, you want merch, whatever you need, I will take it to your house. I had a 13-mile radius, which in San Diego, it's pretty damn far. This is your host, Leanne Alfaro. And on this episode of One of the Moves, we speak with one founder about how she transformed her matcha business and took matters into her own hands to survive the pandemic. This interview was taped mid-June, shortly after the summer's reopening in California. So we also discuss her approach to leading her business today, a year later, her relationship between entrepreneurship and mental health, as well as her cautious outlook for when businesses emerge from the pandemic. No te lo quieres perder. Geraldine, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and your background looks lovely. Can you tell us where you are calling in from right now? Hi. So I am in San Diego outside of my North Park location. Jungle vibes all the way. Amazing. I love it. And this is a, an aesthetic that's signature. Holy matcha. A friend actually did find your place via Instagram and I ended up in your San Diego shop during um, my few few months here in San Diego. And it's been such a pleasure to, to get to know your business a little bit more. But I really want to know a little bit about how you started in, in the matcha business, in the brick and mortar business, your journey. And now that San Diego has opened as of June 15th, how that's been going for you. But let's take it one step at a time. Can you walk me back and talk to me about why Holy Matcha, why you started this business back in 2017, I want to say, and um, what that journey has been like for you. I came up with the idea of opening a matcha cafe in San Diego in the summer of 2016. So five years ago, five years ago, as of June, pretty much. 
And it all started from the need of back in the day, San Diego, not having matcha. And if they had matcha, it was literally a handful or one or two shops that had it. And it just wasn't good. I fell in love with matcha on the first time I went to Japan, which was in 2010. And I fell in love not just with matcha, but with the culture. I loved how I feel when I drink it. And it all started because I can't drink coffee. All of a sudden, two things happened to me in 2009. I developed a shellfish allergy, which is very, very depressing as I love all shellfish. And my body started rejecting coffee. I don't know why. It just... It just did, and I learned how to listen to my body, and I had to adapt to it. So that's why I switched over to matcha. But it posed a problem on me as I kept ordering matcha online. But I wanted to go to a cafe, work, or just look cute and whatnot and drink matcha. And I always had to drink chamomile tea, Earl Grey, because I couldn't do the coffee. So in the summer of June 2015, I was in my parents' backyard, and I just thought to myself, I'm complaining that I want matcha at a cafe that doesn't happen. Why don't I just do it myself? That was literally the question I asked myself. That's just what sparked it. Um, yeah, and I, and I went for it. In July, it was when I told my family. They obviously thought I was crazy in the best way possible, but they obviously thought I was crazy with English being my second language, me having zero experience in the customer service, front of house, drinks, food, register stuff. But I told them like, I'll teach myself. That's easy. I just love much and I want that. And, you know, as the months went by, I started the LLC, just started going for it, started the Instagram. I had a vision of what I wanted for the brand. And I had a couple of delays, but in March of 2017 was when I officially launched my first brick and mortar and (laughs) mind-blowing, mind-blowing completely. Yeah, no, I mean, it certainly sounds mind-blowing for somebody who also doesn't have that background in, in entrepreneurship. What were you doing when you had this idea and what was your background? professionally? My background was business. So I went to college and graduated and I did business admin with a minor in marketing and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just went to college. You go to college. That's just how it was in my family. You have to go to college. I come from a family of doctors. And if you're not a doctor in my family, you're a nurse. And I hate blood. I hate needles. So business was my other option. And Accounting comes easy to me. Numbers come easy to me. So that's what I was doing after college. It just wasn't something that I could make a career out of. Not that if I wanted to, I could have. And if I would have put in the work, which I had no problem doing so, I could have done it. But on an emotional level, which I'm not as emotional, I asked myself, I always ask myself things now that I look back is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. So the funny thing is that the whole time I'm at my cubicle doing something that I thought this was what I went to college for, I was drinking matcha. (laughs) Like it just, the answer was there the whole time right in front of me, but I never, you know, it never clicked. 
until, you know, until like four, four years later, it clicked. So things happen in a certain way. And I don't take anything back. I think that everything happened how it was supposed to happen. So this this was a part of your daily routine. And it's interesting when you start asking yourself these questions, um, answers start rising and, and you decided to stray from this traditional route that you could have done with business. Um, you say sitting in a cubicle, right? So at, at, at a, in a corporate uh, or traditional business setting and you decided, actually, no, I have I have a need for something and why don't I fix it? Um, and so I am curious then, um, in terms of launching your businesses pre-pandemic, um, what were some of your biggest learnings? I, I, I do want to spend a good chunk of this time talking about mid-pandemic and post-pandemic, but but what was that like being a first, uh, let's call it a, a first-time entrepreneur in your family and a family of doctors? What were some of your biggest learnings up to that point? Up to the pandemic? Up to the, b- before the pandemic started. Oh my goodness. I mean- the list is endless till this day. It's still endless, but to name a few at the top of my head, I would have to say employees and being a leader is not as easy as one may think. Anyone can do an LLC. Anyone can negotiate this and this, or I'd like to believe so, but being an actual leader running a business going from being an employee with a manager to being, you know, the boss. I'm not going to say, oh, jefa or, or any of that, but I'm saying like you're actually the owner of a business. Mm-hmm. You're liable for it. They don't teach you that in school. That's just something where I was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, I have all these things that the responsibility lies on me. So, I did a lot of what I call it now, fake it till you make it, in the sense of I'm okay, hi, how are you, I'm doing well, kind of sort of thing, where in inside of my head, I was freaking out. I Not that I didn't know what I was doing, but it, it was a lot. The pressure of pleasing the customer and learning that all customers come in all shapes and and flavors and demanding levels and this and that and this customer likes this and this other customer you know it's a lot so I guess just yeah just being able to just be an owner Mm -hmm. it's a lot and people just see pink people just see inspirational quotes but it takes it takes a lot and I think that that a lot that I that I keep repeating that a lot was my passion for matcha. If I didn't love matcha, when I the ritual of making it, consuming it, that time I give to myself, if I didn't love that process, I don't think I would have made it even before the pandemic. I don't think I would have made it because it is a lot of work to run a business. It is a lot of work to like jump hurdles every single day. You're jumping a different hurdle. I have numerous customers that ask me, oh, when's your day off? There's no such thing as a day off. And so coming from an employee to being an owner, it was a huge wake-up call. And it's like every single day I have a different wake-up call. The difference between then and now is my skin has gotten thicker. So 
I have a better poker face or I have more, in Spanish they say sanya, but in English I guess you can say you have, I have more resistance than when I went into it in 2016 being green. Everything was the end of the world and now everything still is the end of the world. It just doesn't have a huge effect on on my on my way of thinking and approaching situations. I don't know. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like it's very important for me to throw it out there because I hear so many times that people want to own a business and I tell them, you know, it's not all pretty or what you see on social media. Like it takes sacrifice work. And if you don't have a passion for whatever it is that you want to do, if you don't have that passion and that drive because money can't buy that. That's within you you're not going to make it. You are just not going to make it. And so that was going into the business. And then that the pandemic hit. And <laughs> right. And that's, right. So that's when I just had to, you know, change it up or not. Let's talk about that. So the pandemic, I was in New York at the time, pandemic hit around March 17th of of, of last year. I'm not sure when in San Diego was the day because I think everyone remembers the day where in your town, everything just seemed to like, okay, we're in a state of emergency. Everything needs to shut down. Do you remember that time? Um, and I assume you were, you were spending it with your business because as you said, there is no day off. What was that day like for you? So this is kind of funny because my husband told me that I was working the East Village location and my husband told me sometime in January of 2020, you know, there's this, there's this uh, virus that's affecting China, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, I'm at work. We'll chat later. No, but imagine how crazy it would be if it happens here in the U.S. That was January 2020. And then February was when I think I heard it on the news that, you know, there were some cases in the U.S. I think there, I don't recall exactly if it was January or February when the first cases in the U.S. occurred in New York. But on March, Saturday, March 13th, I celebrated my anniversary at North Park. And the next weekend was when everything got shut down in San Diego. And I recall for the anniversary on that Saturday, the 13th, that people were saying like, how are you going to have an anniversary? Aren't you scared of the coronavirus? Yada, yada. And to my knowledge, I just... I didn't know if it was just a passing thing. I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a global pandemic. I don't think anyone thought like that. We're not built like that. We're all like, ah, it'll be fine or it's just going to pass. Maybe it's like the flu. But the next weekend we got shut down. Like we had to seize all business, close everything. And yeah, that's when my world got literally turned off and shifted upside down. And so those, those next few months, I, I cannot imagine what it must be to be a business owner, again, held liable for everything that happens for your employees. Um, and so what, what were your immediate thoughts in the weeks and the months that followed? How did that unfold? Um, very tricolor. I had bills to pay. I had rent, payroll, taxes to pay still. Trust me, I asked, and I still had to pay everything. Um, I still had all my employees. And since I'm a food and beverage 
business, I could still remain open as an essential business. It's just I can't have people sit outside, sit inside. So I was just doing everything to go. But there were days, you know, still having all my employees, still paying all the taxes, payroll, rent, full rent through the roof rent and, you know, electricity, all of the everything. All my bills were normal. All of my bills were normal. I just couldn't sit back and complain as I knew I'm not the only one going through this. And there are a lot of other small businesses in San Diego that they just shut down through the towel and, and said, this is depressing. We don't want to operate under these circumstances. This isn't what we, why we opened. This isn't how we want to run our business. And in my head, I thought, well, no, obviously no one, no one. But I went into deep survival mode into, I have all these bills I need to pay. How the hell am I going to pay them? So I pride myself. <laughs> I turned myself into holy eats. So you put it in order and I will deliver it to you myself. All you were these delivering. Third parties, yes, myself. All these other third parties charge you to sign up or they take 15% of the sales. And mamacita, I can't even afford for you to take a penny out of my sale. I have bills to pay. So I had zero care. I didn't care about anything. I was in survival mode. So the shop sometimes, I remember one day it made $12 in a whole day, $12. I mean, I was sinking. I was negative. I was bleeding at this point. So every single day, Monday through Sunday from 8 a.m. sometimes to like 10 p.m., you want a drink, you want food, you want merch, whatever you need, I will take it to your house. And usually some delivery places have like a two, three mile radius. I had a 13 mile radius which in San Diego, it's pretty damn far. And I was going to your house, you know, with all the PPP equipment, mm -hmm. PP, what, personal protection equipment, PPE. And uh, yeah, leaving it at your doorstep, there was no contact with the person. And I would just leave your order at your doorstep. I would give people a heads up, you know, here's your thing. I would take a photo, send it to them, very much like Amazon or Uber Eats. And I did that for eight months. Wow. And then occasionally, since the things were being made at the business, you know, I'd pop into the business, see how they're doing. They're obviously, you know, they're, everything was spotless because nobody was inside. And I was just driving all over San Diego. I got to see so many beautiful neighborhoods in the area. And that was generating, you know, maybe one day I did $200 in sale. Then the next day, maybe I did like $400. So I doubled it. So kept doing it and kept doing it. I had people putting in an order sometimes around 7 p.m. and being like, oh, is it too late? I was like, nope, it's not too late. Whatever you want, let me know. I'll take it to you right now. So, yeah, it was it was hard, but it wasn't excruciating because I'm in, we're in a pandemic. We're all in it. And I put on good music sometimes at, in the evenings. My husband didn't want me driving late at night, so he would join me too. So it just, it's survival mode. You know, you can either sink, sink and complain and do nothing about it, or you can sink and try to do something about it and come out. Yeah. So you dove straight, straight into the deep end of the pool, opened an entire arm of your business where you delivered food. And what was this like? Uh, sandwiches or, or what were you delivering? Whatever. I even started selling like loaves of bread, <laughs> wow. whatever. 
And the other yeah. thing that even started growing was my online business of my merch. I started developing shirts to support the business. I started developing sweatpants because everybody was at home. So maybe it can be a little comfy. So my merchandise side really exploded on that end. And then everyone's at home. And if you do not live in San Diego and I can't deliver it personally to you, I can ship the matcha to your house. So that part of the business also exploded until this day. So I just kept going with me shipping uh, my matcha jar to like, I've shipped it to Europe, I've shipped it to Canada, South America. <laughs> in terms of critical funding, it sounds like $200 a day, 12, you said $12 in one day at some point. That's not going to help you, as you said, pay the bills. Um, where did critical funding come from? Uh, was it from the sales? Where did you seek critical funding to help the business not sink any further? Right. So keep in mind, I'm a numbers person and I'm not a spender. So I pay my bills always. And I think that this is crucial for any business, but especially a small business is a lot of people tend to spend money on unnecessary things or for aesthetics. And it might be hypocritical because obviously aesthetics are very important. Look at Holy, but I'm I'm very careful on my spending for my business because I'm always assuming the worst. What if there's a rainy day, singular rainy day, or a couple of rainy days, not a a year of a pandemic type a of spenders? Yeah. Exactly. So I always have some sort of reserve. So any extra money income that the business will make, I just keep it. So I try to remake, keep everything as organic as possible. And also keep in mind, like I am free labor. I'm free everything for the business. So I just try to push myself as much as possible to save the business some money, even though I know that's not future, future wise smart, but during these tough times, it's always needed. Like every other business, we all got the PPP loan, but the amount that I received was, I think I used it on rent and payroll two, two months in, <laughs> back to zero. So funding. So it only lasted you two months, whatever you three received months, from PPP. Three months max. I mean, because I was still paying rent. I was still paying payroll mm -hmm. and all the taxes and cleaning and so I still had my people bills aren't coming into your business, but you still need to you need still need to keep up with all of that. Well, I had employees and I had to pay. I mean, my employees need I'm lucky enough that my employees, they wanted a job they could have done otherwise, but they wanted to still work. I'm not going to say no to that as I was outside driving all over San Diego delivering. So I needed someone to watch. So I was blessed in that aspect, but they still have to get paid. I even gave a, a couple of promotions because, you know, what if I lose them? So I, I, it was very scary because a lot of people could just stay at home and make more money at home. But the fact that I, my girls, my team, they wanted to work and support, you know, I, I had that duty. So the majority of everything just came from me going out 12 hours a day, every single day, Monday, Monday through Sunday, whatever you want, I will take it to you. So imagine that times eight months. It's something. And after a while, I, there were some days where I was exhausted, where I made good money, but I would cry 
because I was just tired. I wouldn't go to the bathroom. I literally wouldn't eat. When I'm running on adrenaline, I tend to not get hungry, but which I don't want to deviate too much into that side, which changed my perspective to how I run my business now after the pandemic. But it was, it was I think hard. That, that is important. I think that is important. I think there's something to be said about being an entrepreneur or a small business owner during the time of the pandemic. And especially if you were an essential business or brick and mortar, the toll that that takes on mental health, how did it affect the way that you run your business? I want to say I'm a changed woman. (laughs) I'm still the same. I still love my matcha. I still have the passion for it. Uh, A lot happened last year. I, in the middle of all of that, I got pregnant and out of the blue, I miscarried. Not too many people knew about it. I still, you know, my priority was still the business, the business, the business. Everything was the business. Everything. I mean, I had family members in the hospital that even if I wanted to take some time off, I still couldn't go and visit regardless. But I just, everything was the business. I was in my doctor's office going through a miscarriage and on my phone telling people I can't deliver today. Maybe I'll deliver tomorrow and asking my doctor, do you think I can deliver tomorrow? Like, do you think I'll be good? Like the business consumed my everything. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No one pushed me. That was myself. So mental toll, it was hard. I realized that I don't like working that much. I love matcha, but when it consumed me as much as that, I realized it's not, nothing like that is worth it, in my opinion. I didn't lose myself. I just think I just overworked myself and I just wanted a day where can I just eat breakfast, not look at my phone, and then maybe go into work at 1 p.m. The pandemic forced me to realize I'm much stronger than what I am because, you know, I went through the miscarriage and did went through all of that and still functioned. I had to function, but I realized that's, mm-hmm. that's not who I want to be. And so I was waiting and hoping and every single month that would go by, I would push it. And I always gave it 110%, always. But I couldn't wait until it was all over for me to just breathe and take a moment to just sit and lick my wounds a little bit and relax. And yeah. It sounds like a very ruthless time. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Running at a thousand miles an hour despite it all, it just seems like a very ruthless time. And you were doing what you needed to do in a way for for something else that you were nurturing and that you had nurtured for years before the pandemic. We stepped in foot in your business a few weeks ago and seeing people to start start to come in even before the official San Diego reopening in June 15th. That was really, um, really enlightening to, to see um, and to see that people starting to come into your business. Um, and I, I don't know what it looked like before. You know, I, I'm just like, whoa, like this is it's a beautiful business. Look at these people here. Despite the fact we're still all here with masks, we're still all here, you know, just waiting for things to get better and for everyone to get vaccinated. Um, but where is the business right now? Do you think, um, in terms of where, where are you as a founder? Um, are you, would you say you're still in recovery mode 
from, from everything that happened in the last year? And, um, what, what is it that you need to, to really get back on, on what you would deem to be a healthy standing? So I was trying to look at my dates right now. I think we were allowed to operate on 20 or 25% capacity in March. I went for it all the way. So I did indoor seating, outdoor seating was fine. And since March, I've been having my seating and I really liked having the social distancing, but it was just so nice having people inside, seeing everyone. I I built this business around community and people, not just for order at the window or order at the door and take it to go. <laughs> so it was really nice to see people, even though with the mask, I got to know people by their hairstyle or their eyes. So it was just breathtaking just to like, hi, welcome, like legit welcome. And I had never, ever, ever until this day, I haven't changed it. And I probably never will. It's just how I'm built. I had never appreciated my customer support, my community, online people that follow me. I never appreciated their support until the pandemic. And legit, every single transaction I have in person or online, I thank them for their support. During the pandemic, we did little handwritten notes and we ran out of post-it notes and we no longer do the post-it notes, but I still thank every single person for their support because once you go through those dark stages where you don't know if your business is going to make it, but I don't have time to waste thinking that I just have to go and go and go. I appreciate every single person that spends money on my business. And so now we are allowed to do full capacity, no social distancing, everything normal. I still have a couple of tables social distanced. Um, Number one, because I social distance everything with plants and trees, and it looks so pretty. <laughs> I mean, I still added more tables, but I still have plants. So the plants are social distancing, and it makes and it almost makes you feel like you can have your own privacy and join your little your drink, or if you're working on your laptop, it just looks pretty. And you're like four feet away from the other table, which is nice. Versus before, you were just literally hearing the other person's conversation. So I'm still keeping that. And even outside here, I have there's plants separating the tables. You know, everyone can have their own little area. And myself and my craziness, I no longer pride myself working 12, 14-hour days. I eat breakfast now. I will never, ever, ever, I will not attend meetings if I cannot eat my breakfast in the morning. I'm an actual breakfast, not a quick breakfast. I've, I've gotten better at numbing or pausing the guilt and accepting that I shouldn't feel guilty for taking care of myself and eating breakfast. I think I've paid my dues <laughs> from last year, even though it's just part of the business. I know I don't want to be like, oh, poor me, poor me. I deserve this. The business deserved it, not me. I'm just allowing myself a little bit more peace, but I'm still in the shop every single day not because I have to, because I want to, and because it's my baby. You know, I will always love it to be here, but I could go home. I could, I could have done this podcast at home, but I love this business and I want to be here. And then I drive to East Village and I see my baby and just when you fear, I 
feared that I was going to lose my businesses. I, it got really close, too real. I felt it. I smelled it. I tasted it. I didn't like it. So now that I'm out of it, I can't take it for granted. So I see everything differently. I find myself blessed to be outside. You know, I'm still out here. It's still here. Mm -hmm. So I don't take that for granted. So that's why I'm also here. And that's kind of like where I stand now. Yeah, no, that's, that's beautiful. It's, it's, it's beautiful in the sense that you're, you're working on recovery, you're actively assessing, you know, how you needed to react during the pandemic and also taking the time to, to kind of like take care of yourself and, and instill in, in yourself a, a new way to work, which I think only small business owners like yourself really understand what that feels like. Now, Geraldine, the, the question I usually uh, end interviews with is what is your biggest money learning? But seeing as you're a numbers person, I would like for you to share your biggest uh, numbers tip for other small business owners who may be uh, in similar positions to yours or a mom and pop shop. You know, there's a lot of those in the Latino community. What's your biggest numbers tip when someone's running a small business? I love that question know your cost, not your worth and what you price things. That's, that's separate. That's emotion. But when doing floors, doing this and this and this, know your numbers, know your cost. And by knowing your numbers and knowing your cost, don't ever, 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 ever take uh, the first, the first option. There's always in construction, design, tables, chairs, landscape, plants. Girl, there's Home Depot. And then there's, what's the other blue one? There's um, Lowe's. Lowe's. There's Mom and Pop. Like, you can buy plants anywhere. Don't ever just take the first number. A lot of people just tend to be like, oh, well, I just thought. And then that's that mentality gets onto into their food suppliers, their milk suppliers, and everything you can negotiate. That's the beauty about numbers especially now pre-pan, I'm sorry, especially now post-pandemic, everything has gone up in price, everything. So just making sure you know what you have in the bank and you know what you can spend, make sure you budget correctly, but make sure you analyze what costs you over here and is this the best number you can give me because I have a budget of this and so I just want to see. So being okay with just putting that out there and knowing what your costs are in my opinion, with everything that I've lived through in these almost five years. And after hearing your experience, especially in the last intense year, it's something we can definitely take home, take to our mom and pop shops and, and that we can use. So Geraldine, thank you so much for, for sharing your time, your experience with us today. And I'm really excited to be back at Holy Matcha very soon. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for the future and... To anyone listening to this, hopefully I didn't scare anyone in starting a brick and mortar. It's just, I feel like the worst has passed. It's now, you know, smooth sailing, but still, you know, staying on top of the money and the numbers and just that passion because passion will always make money. If you just have to do something to do it, you know, it'll end and the money isn't worth it. The passion will always, always exceed anything in my life, so... And Anyways, people can see that. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited to, uh, to have been able to have this opportunity with you and the honor. So thank you very much for your time. 
it was an honor on my end. Thanks so much, <laughs> Geraldine. <laughs>